You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, I'm Paxton Wright, and I uh, just botched the legal ID. We may or may not have edited that out, but uh, <laughs> I, I said it completely wrong, and then I said it correctly the second time. This is Socially Distanced. In case you were thinking it was any other show, I'm here to tell you right now that it's not. This is the show called Socially Distanced that I host with my co-host, Justin Kiever. How hey, that's you, me. Justin? That is you. Last that is show. me. I'm doing, I'm doing okay, and I am going to be the person this week who decides whether or not that legal ID gets cut. <laughs> that's true. I'm we, looking forward to that power. Yeah, it's, you know, it, don't, don't get drunk with it. We... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we uh, it's a fun, fun sort of look behind the curtain for you folks. Justin and I switch off editing duties every other week, and this is Justin's week. So we'll Yay. see what flubs do or don't make it into this episode. And I, and I guarantee you, there'll be some flubs. Oh, there will be. Yeah, I'm running on about f- uh, four to five hours of sleep right now, which is not, oh, not optimal. Yikes. Um, yeah. Yeah, mistakes were made. So I'm like, uh, I'm feeling quite, uh, quite edgy today. Not okay. like into it. Yeah, not like, not like Todd McFarlane, Shadow the Hedgehog, edgy, but like feeling <laughs> like, feeling like more, more just like a testy and and Oscar the Grouch in general, which I suppose leads to uh, an attitude that one might dub edgy in in a Todd McFarlane sense. So. We'll see what comes out. Yeah, possibly. I'm now just kind of like wondering, what would it be like to wake up and just go, man, I feel like Shadow the Hedgehog today. <laughs> Believe me. Oh, I could write a book on the amount of days <laughs> I've woken up with that exact thought. Um, today I felt like Vector the Alligator, weirdly enough. Uh, <laughs> that, that, who is Vector the Alligator? Exactly. That was, that, was a, that was a deep cut for like six... Uh, six people who uh, spent their childhood on a lot of terrible, terrible Sonic games, uh, like myself. But we're not here to talk about terrible Sonic games today. Oh, no. However, actually, I am here to talk about a terrible game that uh, has a lot of Sonic characters in it, probably. That being VR Chat, uh, which is what I've been playing a lot of this last not just week, these la- uh, embarrassingly, these last few months. Um, I'll get more into why huh. it's embarrassing in a second. But Justin, have you, are you familiar with VR chat at all? Uh, not at all, no. I thought you were going to talk about Sonic and Mario at the Olympics or something. <laughs> but uh, no, I was completely wrong, apparently. No, I have no idea what VR chat is. Please tell me. Uh, so VR chat is basically the Sonic and Mario at the Olympics of, uh, of uh, free-to-play online MMOs, um, by, by which I mean it's trash. But it, it's so you're familiar with Second Life, correct? Uh, yes, I am of the opinion that Second Life is actually just a complete fiction that was invented by games academics to write about. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I want to. No, no, I know. I know what Second Life is. That's, yeah. yeah. So VR Chat is basically it is it's just the new Second Life, but it's VR compatible. And what I'll say is it's uh. uh so basically, the way it works is it's, it's filled with user-created servers and avatars. There's actually some really cool, ambitious ideas in it. And so anyone can make any avatar or any world that they want. And they, they all have their own unique servers. And so 
long and short of me and my buddy who also coincidentally happens to be named Justin, but lives in another state. Uh, he and I have been uh, pouring an upsetting amount of hours into this game. And it's an interesting experience because it is simultaneously so ridiculous and full of, oh, there's a cat. You there is a cat, cat in your room. That's exciting. There is a, there is a cat in my room. What uh, is this sorry. cat's name? Uh, my, my cat's name is Fergus. He is actually named after, well, his name is inspired by Fergus from the new Wolfenstein games. Also, <laughs> Fergus is just a name and it's a good name for something with fur. It's, it's also a pun. He also just kind of looks like a Fergus. He's yeah, got, he's got, is. he's got meat on those bones. And I feel like Fergus is a very like classically masculine name. Um, yeah, you know, he's got, like he's a little chubby and he also his uh, he has spots on his head where he kind of looks like he's like he looks like he has a mustache also looks like he's balding so <laughs> i think it's a very fergus look it's a very uh wilford brimley cat <laughs> um anyway so but, vr chat uh so vr chat diabetes um so <laughs> there's uh yeah it is so it it's interesting because it is so imaginative and and so um imaginatively compatible in that uh people who have the time and wherewithal on their hands can really make some very impressive stuff in the game mm-hmm. uh there is a skin of every conceivable character you could ever possibly imagine available to to uh, to wear at any given moment in this game. So I have played as everyone from Super Mario to Darth Vader to Barack Obama to, uh, to Bashar. My favorite Al- fictional character. Yes, Bashar al-Assad. I found a Bashar al-Assad skin in the game. Uh, I found uh, a fully rendered uh, hamburger helper with the face of Ben Shapiro where hamburger helper's <laughs> face is supposed to be. <laughs> um the whole game is an absolute uh it's an absolute delight and it constantly surprises uh, i thought the, you said this game was bad it so here's amazing. so that's the thing so it is it's kind of like what second life became in the late aughts um and early tens in that like it is 50 percent people goofing and memeing on things which is the you know that's the fun and active community that sort of got me and my friend involved uh, hmm. And then there's 50% people who are really into VR chat. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to say perverts, but, uh, <laughs> but, but people who, who are uh, very, very adventurous and liberated uh, on the platform. Good so, for them, possibly. It, it, yeah, yes, yes. Yes, I walked into a room that was a Brazilian server, um, mm. and it was and it was all like it basically was one giant. The entire server was basically sort of one giant Brazilian cliche, and I actually thought it was kind of made in like at first like a like maybe in poor taste like mocking of Brazilian culture until I realized mm. everyone in the room was speaking Portuguese, and it was oh, just wow. Brazilian people leaning into a bit like the entire room is a soccer oh. field with uh with like brazilian candy and pop culture ads all over the walls brazilian flags everywhere and then also just i'm not i'm not asserting anything i'm saying saying what i saw in this brazilian server uh a lot of uh uh 
gun props just laying around everywhere just fire oh. firearm props and i was like oh okay this is uh, all right and uh walking around just sort of exploring and i found uh, in a corner of this server uh about 10 different uh anime women uh mm. anime women models uh most of whom sounded to be a, a masculine gender identity um mm. all of whom really 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 enjoying each other's company and I was like, I've stumbled upon something that I'm not supposed to be involved in. I'm going to <laughs> leave, and I hope you guys have a have a great evening among one another. Uh, so the whole ga- the whole game is just silly and exciting, and minute to minute, you never know what you're gonna find. And half of it is just really good, fun, goofery, and half of it is occasionally deeply upsetting (laughs) so it's always just a roll of the dice but my friend and i have been have been online till as late as like 4 a.m some nights playing this game just wandering around and seeing what we can find there is a weird uh hypnotic quality to it that just keeps you coming back i don't know what it is that actually sounds super interesting like especially the sort of like chance encounter where you know it's only upsetting because you haven't been invited right um (laughs) okay so i feel like this is actually a good point to kind of clarify the weird like kind of game studies discipline joke that i started off with about second life where it's like i know no one in person or online who is ever that invested in like playing second life right but i've read a lot of stuff about second life because it seems like what second life is or was is second life still going it still is technically i don't think its community is as active but they're they're around okay um like what second life is like it seems so perfectly designed for academics game studies people to kind of come in and like study it like basically do an anthropological study of it right because it's just like everything's going on and like so you get like you know so you get things that you're describing in vr chat like this you know like this brazilian room where it seems like a bunch of people who are native to brazil at least ostensibly so are doing this kind of like ironic performance for them for themselves and for each other and so it's like that kind of interaction is just the stuff that like you know game studies people are just like yes (laughs) Um, and that what you're describing actually sounds it sounds really interesting it just sounds like any kind of like dreamlike walk i can imagine from like any fiction thing but like i don't want to say made real but like made kind of more tangible insofar as it's like this it just sounds like this very strange dreamlike space of you just kind of like wandering an area and like genuinely having no idea what's going to be around the next corner or in the next room or like i think dreamlike is a perfect descriptor for it um and it it is just so like a dream it is so moment to moment anything can change um and it can there can be moments of real awe-inspiring bliss in the game like there are like i i mean for as fun as it is and funny as it is to like dunk on a game like vr chat because it is so inherently silly and weird just in the same respect that second life was there's people doing really impressive great work on that game as well people doing really cool stuff and uh but at the same time just like a dream at any moment it can go deeply horrifyingly wrong um and and so it is just like it's just it's just chaotic the whole game is chaotic 
but simultaneously mesmerizing. So like examples of servers I've been into, I went into one, my friend and I found a world which was uh, an actual like game. Like it put you on a set maze and it was like a survival horror world where mm-hmm. like um, you were going through like this, essentially this maze and uh, you had to solve different puzzles to progress throughout the maze. Meanwhile, you were being stalked by like this uh, AI creature that was in this maze with you. Um, mm. that you had no means of self-defense against other than running away. Uh, so, like, there, there was that. We found a room oh. which, was, uh, which was this really amazing, like, kind of ethereal room just kind of full of geometric shapes where you start off in this little platform and there's a bunch of uh, jetpacks on the platform. You put a jetpack on your character and you can just fly around this space and, and the, with these actually like very good flying physics in this like kind of beautiful and like entrancing world and then i found another world which uh was just the chow garden from sonic adventure 2 except the walls all had really hardcore pornographic material on them and i was like okay so that's what this game is (laughs) it's just any minute any minute you can find yourself very surprised by this game uh but it has been, it's been a really interesting experience through quarantine, I guess to sort of tie it into current events, because it has been uh, this really kind of great sort of, I, I mean, I don't want to use a term as corny as bonding experience, but bonding experience between uh, me and a very good friend, one of my best friends from childhood, who like, uh, he and I, like, we live on opposite sides of the country now, he lives in Chicago, so, you know, we don't really talk as often as we used to, and this game, like, through quarantine has been this really sort of goofy weird way in which we've reconnected and are sort of talking like old times and it and it keeps the conversation invigorating and fresh because there's always weird bananas stuff to run into at any given minute um and so it has been this sort of great sort of um social bridge in this in this very asocial time um to it, it's so funny because I, I came into this conversation expecting to do a lot more clowning on vr chat and like because there is like an infinite amount of clowning you can do and like while there was some like it has in my talking about it i've realized kind of all the great things <laughs> this weird little game has has uh has done for me throughout this uh very dark chapter of history i don't know it's been interesting yeah, because like, because like the way you're describing it, like it really, the thing that also comes to mind is just um, like I, you know, I've been playing games online with like some some of my friends in North Carolina, but I've been playing things like Call of Duty Warzone or whatever, right? You know, which is nice and I enjoy, but um, there's something about the way you're describing walking around in VR chat that just reminds me of going out like on going out on the town, so to speak, and like entertaining yourself just with like what you know what life is happening in this city right now and like what like new things about this place can we point out to each other and like it's a very specific kind of embodied real social interaction that when you're doing something like playing a call of duty game you're you're not quite getting that from the space you know like i'm not like pointing out like a particularly nicely rendered warehouse or something in a call of duty game but like what you're describing sounds a lot more like actually like even though it's dreamlike and bizarre and completely unreal in some way it feels more attuned to what it's really like to hang out with someone 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it is, especially because you are kind of meandering about with no explicit purpose. Um, yeah. And just like a, a night on the town, as it were, uh, you t- tend to go out with no explicit purpose in mind. Sometimes the night ends with you guys just wandering around having a good time. Sometimes you wind up in situations where you are, you are chasing some goal that you weren't expecting. Sometimes you meet weird eccentrics who who uh who delight mm-hmm. and entertain for an evening like it is it, it really is kind of like i want to say a a less satisfying version of real life to make up for uh the lack thereof right now but then again in real life you can't go to the chow garden from sonic adventure 2 with hardcore pornographic material plastered on the walls so is it is it the inferior alternative eh, well, yeah it sounds to me like reality is left wanting <laughs> yeah, yeah i couldn't have put it better myself uh <laughs> what, what about yourself what, what have you been what have you been <sighs> into up to this weekend i haven't been up to that much uh this last week to be honest i've mostly i feel like most of my media consumption has been watching like video game streams but then also i've i don't know i guess to if i was to name any trend it'd be i've been watching some capital e epic cinemas and you know cinema that belongs to the big the genre of epic which just means long but you yeah. know, um, but yeah. So like, so this last week I rewatched, rewatched Fellowship of the Ring, and also watched for the first time Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, wow! And yeah. well, I imagine you'd seen Fellowship of the Ring. I have, yeah. Have you seen Lawrence of Arabia? I have not, and I and it, we you've now twice on this podcast brought up classic, classic trend-setting cinema that I have uh, embarrassingly never seen. I mean, you know, I'm. I think both times though, I sat here and said it's my first time watching it, so don't be don't be that embarrassed. Fair point. Um, I have an MA, you know, and I still haven't seen this <laughs> thing. Like, there's like I'm like there's like a professional obligation that I just had not yet met. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. I think I feel like I'd rather talk about Lawrence of Arabia just because, like, I could wax nostalgic about fellowship of the ring forever you know watch that movie when i was nine it's important just listening to howard Shore's score it like makes me feel like i'm home and that's you know beautiful but also i think familiar and well-worn and lawrence of arabia watching that for the first time watching lawrence of arabia for the first time was really interesting because actually my expectations for that film are mostly set by a conversation i had with my uncle at christmas um, back when we could go places, he, uh, and my uncle had gotten really into like the key historical figure that Lawrence of Arabia is about, uh, T. E. Lawrence, and he was just kind of like telling me like you know he's like oh he's like such a great man and all this stuff, and so sitting down for Lawrence of Arabia, I expected this kind of like co- you know colonialist like Orientalist kind of uh, story about World War One, and I got that, but also not but also not really because it really does like, I think it's more complex than that. And I'll say because like the film is very much like, nah, he's, he was not a great man. He, you know, like was a, like uh, how, how much should I, how much should I go through like plot summary? It's an old film. So I feel like there are like certain aspects of it that are kind of like culturally just sort of inherited, at least if you're like immersed in like cinema. But also for me, all I really knew about it was like the scene where they blow up the train. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's a film you can get into a fair bit of detail about. Um, I don't think you need to be too apprehensive on what you delve into. Uh, I I haven't seen it. I don't know a ton about it. In fact, really, all I know is the uh, the what is it? Cinemascope. What's what's the the what what do they shoot it in again? Uh, I don't remember. The the very the very very wide angles that they used in that film. Uh, the wide angle yeah. lenses. Um, I I know the shot where he's going along the desert. Um. Mm. and that soundtrack plays like that is yeah. pretty much when i think lawrence of arabia i think that image and the very little else okay. comes to mind okay i'll say that that's actually so i mean basically you know it's a story of a um a british uh or, or an english officer uh in world war one who becomes a sort of like white folk hero to like some of the locals as part of this uh as part of the conflict against the against the turks the um the thing that ends up kind of happening throughout the film is that you get away from that kind of like grandiosity like like these images of Lawrence walking through the desert and then the soundtrack plays like it starts like that where it's you know like this English man has come to he's come to a foreign land to like master its ways and become you know like that kind of like very familiar uh like dances with wolves or like avatar right story right but then like by the end of that, like by the end of that film, it's not a good man at the end of that movie. Like, but it's like it's too it's complex because it's not just like because he becomes monstrous, but not in a way that is easy to kind of resolve in terms of like the ways that we think about like colonialism, imperialism now, where it's not like he um like he he does not become like the embodiment of like colonial evil. He ends up becoming this um this figure who like wants to kind of like transcend his uh his englishness and basically like like finds kind of like in the uh, the provinces of the ottoman empire the sort of um he finds he finds community that he can't he finds a community that he's always alienated from because he is coming from this english perspective and so and hates that he's english and can never but like has to accept that he is english and that he can't actually be in this place in the way that he wants to be in this place and it ends up being this kind of like it's still orientalist no matter you know any way you kind of like no matter how how you break it down no matter how kind to it you want to be it's an orientalist film i want to give it like say that and make that clear well before before you proceed i i have to be it's a it's a scholarly term i'm unfamiliar with if you could just elaborate on what um or orientalism it's a term coined by uh Edward Said, and it uh, has to do with particular representations of what we like, what is kind of called in uh, archaic terms, quote unquote, the Orient, and it has to do with representations of the East. I'm saying this with air quotes. The Orient, with even bigger quotes, right? That are that construct it as a place in opposition to the west the west being you know europe and england great britain america and in those representations uh kind of like higher like in terms of like the, the sort of global imperialist hierarchy subjugates again quote unquote the east to quote unquote the west like it, it's about like representational strategies of a particular region of the world that constructs them as being in some way lesser and exotic in all of that Okay. And this and I think this film even while trying to I think resist 
some of that because it's not a colonialist film fundamentally it's like it's a film about like the ways that even with the best of intent like, even if you do have good intentions within this kind of colon- like greater colonial framework you can't be a good person and while those like re- and while those structures are there even if you uh, even if you feel like you're transcending them uh, you're really not hmm. and it's it's a downer of a movie actually which again like given that my expectation was entirely set by my uncle saying oh he's this really great man it's like no he's he's just a he's a complete failure at the end of this movie and like yeah it's um it's a film that like i'm struggling to talk about now because i really came away from that like just not make sense of it but i was not able to like resolve it to like any easy terms of like colonialism or orientalism or imperialism and maybe that's my own you know and maybe that's my own subject position that's making it hard for me to uh you know resolve it in those ways you know like i'm a white guy uh and you know and you know like i'm a white guy from the united states middle class whatever and yeah i don't know it, it was just like this weekend i watched something that was a lot more complex than i thought it was going to be and here i am trying to make sense of it and it's kind of not working well no it's interesting it's interesting to hear you say that though because you don't see too many examples of films of that era that tackle issues of colonialism or race relations uh with anything really at least uh at least um uh hollywood produced films uh that are really anything other than promoting of a global, uh, not globalist, a globalist. It's like Alex Jones, <laughs> um, like a, a colonialist message. Um, I think about like the searchers, which is, you know, mm, yeah, maybe the greatest Western ever made. It's an incredible film, but it's also a, a deeply, deeply problematic film that promotes some really <laughs> heinous representations of native Americans. It is both um, of those things. Yes. Yeah. And so it's like, it's interesting to hear about a film relatively of that era of like the golden age of uh, the Hollywood studio system that does actually tackle the issue, especially in a film that is so um, massively budget and is literally of the, of the epic genre, as, as you said, um, one that is so heavily promoted and distributed that would actually tackle the issue with some degree of nuance that in itself i think is pretty interesting yeah it's just an interesting movie because there's this like part in the second half where lawrence becomes very like taken with his own with his own kind of like godliness which is something that is that is constructed also by media representations like there's this like journalist who follows him around and the journalist says very openly like I am finding a hero figure to convince the United States to join the war. And he comes to believe this particular narrative that is basically just kind of a, sorry, I'm looking for the right word. It's a strategic narrative. It's a propagandistic narrative. And he comes to believe it and then has that belief kind of thrown back in his face. And then, and he tries to do so much and fails and fails. He fails because fundamentally, like there are all these like, representations that he's buying into that are contingent strategic and just not actually getting at his actual relation to where he is in the world it's a complex movie that is like very that doesn't have any good answers to any of the problems that it's bringing up but is at least able to recognize them in 1962 as problems hmm. and i think I came away from that just sort of compelled and feeling kind of uh, feeling kind of lost on like the way I felt about the film and like the way I felt that I should feel about the film. And yeah, and I think there is something to that.
Interesting. I guess. Well, yeah, I, that's definitely not. I mean, uh, yeah, we we gotta pretty much wrap it up here. But that that is uh, not at all what I, I. I don't really know what I expected. Uh, just knowing the significance of the film, but knowing so little uh, about it beyond the fact that it's important. The that that degree of nuance certainly wasn't something I expected. So that's that's interesting to hear. Um, all right, yeah, we should we should get going here though. But uh, any uh, any any final words for the good people before we before we uh, before we uh, head for the hills here? I guess just you know the normal: stay safe, don't go outside except to buy groceries, and also the things that you're told are important might actually be more interesting than you think they are. Yeah, I I like that last one a lot. I second all of those things. All right, goodbye, folks. Goodbye. Take care.